Welcome to another episode of the Coffee Roaster Warm-Up Sessions podcast. Uh, my name is Mark Gatrovsky and... Uh, I guess names again. We had this on the last episode about names, but <laughs> welcome folks. My name is Sergey Gatrovsky. And today we have uh, our first guest of 2023, uh, one of a handful of guests. Hopefully we'll have more folks on the pod. Um, and we have Andrew. Um, Andrew, thanks for jumping on the podcast with us. Awesome. Uh, Andrew, maybe give us, before we jump into drinking some delicious batch brew, give us a, a kind of a, in a nutshell, who are you, um, what do you do, and a little kind of a bio. Okay. Well, my name is Andrew Pernicano. I'm out in Colorado. I work for Flair Espresso. It's, uh, it's actually something I haven't been able to since we started, I haven't been able to tell people exactly what I do. We're still a small, kind of scrappy uh, startup, so we all do a little bit of everything. Um, I started out with the customer service and the socials, built those departments up, and then I've been able to sort of transition myself out and focus more on uh, product development, brand. I like to say that uh, I do a lot of the community work, so kind of community and education, I guess. is You'll find me more in Discord, on Facebook, I do still spend time on Instagram, that kind of thing, but trying to nice. yeah build the community around Flair, help help customers still. I still support our service team and help Tanner Colson run the uh, accounts. I'm sure you know that name. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, so I think I started back 2017. Um, I was just another guy looking for a way to make espresso on the go. And mm. I had thought I'd seen everything until I came across the Flair Espresso Maker on Amazon. And I was like, what is this? I've never seen that. And it's not normal for me to, for something to slip by me. And I saw like a lot of good reviews. I was like, well, it's been here a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, I was doing kind of what you guys uh, started up a couple of years ago was trying to create a YouTube channel and uh, be a YouTuber. And uh, I wanted to start with things that I liked, which is like uh, video, audio, and coffee. So I reached out and said, hey, you know, looks like a cool product. Can I do a review on it? And pretty much that's where it went. I basically came in at the right time, uh, Mm -hmm. right place at the right time sort of thing. Sergio Landau, the inventor, founder uh, of the company had, it was just him and one other guy in fulfillment. And they were, you know, he designed the, what we call the classic today, uh, classic flair. And he designed that and they were just, you know, running everything by themselves. Mm -hmm. And I talked myself into a job after that and yeah and now i'm here so that's kind of like how i got going on with flair and and became part of that wow that's excellent that's um, incredible yeah it actually is there's a lot of pieces that are starting to make more sense now with mm-hmm. your video setup i'm like <laughs> that's what i was thinking you have a little yep. bit of a background there yeah, <laughs> yeah beautiful set like yeah. i mean well lit i mean this is incredible for anyone that you know watches the podcast especially on spotify i feel like you've really dialed into our aesthetic except for we're shooting in the daytime so folks that's the difference yeah. here but that's awesome <laughs> I, I love it lighting so nice i was so oh. excited i thought we were gonna like be matched i was like yeah i was waiting for you guys you know like to cut the two uh right. three angles together and we would all be in the same kind of color scheme but <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah i mean you would, you would be surprised there's been episodes that we literally didn't start shooting till maybe like 11 p.m we go over our, wow. our uh, thought process because we actually don't script these things. We just kind of talk, 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 wow. and then we're like, 
okay, I think it's time to record. <laughs> so yeah. kind of thing. So uh, sometimes it just takes a while to warm up. And sometimes we're recording like close to midnight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like for, uh, for, you know, for folks listening also, uh, w- it's literally called the Roaster Warm-Up Sessions podcast. Um, like it's the Roaster Warm-Up Sessions. Like this is what we're talking about when we're running it, right. ro- uh, warming up the roaster. Um, and Andrew, we'll, <laughs> we'll dive into some roasting stuff later on because I know you wanted to touch so. up on that slightly. So, um, yeah. but before we get too deep into the podcast, my drip coffee is cooling yes, down. So let's it. pour some drip. Give this a taste. Yeah. I uh, brewed a little bit upstairs before we got here. Nice. Nice. Yeah, we uh, classic drip coffee. Um, we're drinking a Colombian coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, roasted from prodigal coffee, um, which is, you know, We've had it on the podcast, <laughs> yeah, but totally. it's so delicious. Yeah. But also, uh, is that what is that what you're brewing up today? Yeah, man. Same Let's one. Let's go. Beautiful. Yeah. I love Same it. Same one. Yep. Yeah, definitely. In fact, I um, I bought. Oh, what do I have here? I've I've got something like 16 kilos of this stuff. I'm going to. Oh, nice. Uh, I, uh, you know, he was he was selling green as along with his roasted coffee. And I needed a good source, and it's nice because they're local. They're Boulder, and I'm here in Golden, so oh, I don't have to worry about you know shipping because right that's expensive too. Right. But also like I don't have to really second guess the quality. Um, yep. So it was just it was just nice to be able to have a local source. And uh, actually, let's see what do I have? No, I don't have. I, did, I I bought ten pounds of that. Sorry, I have ten pounds mm-hmm. of that that I'm I'm brewing for myself. But I also have some. A couple other uh, 16 and 7 kilos that I purchased from him from some of the other greens. As yeah, well. that's excellent. That's excellent. Um, what, are you, are, uh, what are you enjoying about this coffee? Are you, um, what are your kind of thoughts on it? So, I'm, it, it, it was surprising, I guess, the first time um, that I tasted it because I was expecting something a little bit lighter um, from from Scott and in general from what I heard, but it all made mm-hmm. sense when then he posted that uh, that blog post about how he had to approach the probat and, yep. and go a little bit further with it. Uh, so I guess I was, I, I find it, for me, I, I don't like two acidic coffees. I like sort of, I, I do, I go between filters and espresso all day mm-hmm. long. It's usually like espresso in the morning, filter in the day, or I flip-flop it. And so for me, and also, I don't know if you know, but I'm at uh, 8,200 feet, and so my water boils at 92. So I find that my life is just a lot easier if I find a coffee that's a little bit easier to work with, and I don't Mm -hmm. try to push my roasting or buy coffee that's more on the light side of it. I want to be able to, to work with what I have, which is lower water temperature than most people. Um, so mm. it's it's perfectly suited to what I like. I'd, I'd say it's pretty mellow. There's a little bit of acidity, but it's it's pretty m- muted that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was expecting maybe a little bit more, but I. The other thing is I'm, I'm doing this on a switch just now, and so like I'm I don't mm-hmm. remember okay. what it was tasting like when I was uh, doing it on the clever before. Okay. But I was struggling with the switch earlier. I had uh, a shot earlier, or not a shot, but I, I had a brew earlier that was pretty much a sour bomb because I didn't get the, the grind right on the switch. Yeah. Um, and so I'm trying to, trying to get, block that out of my mind. Um, Fair. Fair. But I mean, yeah, I, I would just say stone fruits and, and a kind of a yep. mild acidity. It's, it's just a really 
pleasing, comfortable cup. Yeah. 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 Well, what's uh, your roast date on this this batch? I don't know if I have a date, to be honest, on mine. Uh, I picked this we... up at his house. <laughs> so oh, perfect. Yeah. I don't, I don't see a date. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I've had it for at least a few weeks. Uh, yeah. Two to three weeks, yeah. That's probably the same, the same, same coffee. Ours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's got, um, might be, might be the difference in, you know, our elevations and brewing and water that yep. I'll go into it. Uh, but definitely heavy on like, it's a rich, sweet coffee. Like yep. the stone fruit is there. I'm picking up like a lot of, um, vanilla. It's kind of, it's nice and mouthwatering. Like it's, it's very juicy. It's still like, um, it's also something that we we saw on the blog post that he had to kind of push it to avoid underdevelopment, um, which I was I was kind of surprised, but also not. Um, but it it's it's nice. Like I, I I love exactly where this is, and we actually read the um, this coffee on the color meter. Yeah. And um, on our color meter, um, naturally somehow our coffee preferences align within like one or two points on the color meter and this coffee just sit right perfectly right where we like coffees and so this this felt like an exceptional just like this is a coffee we enjoy so yeah i don't know and we, yeah. we've had it multiple ways too i think mark you brewed it more on v60 than mm-hmm. i did but we also cupped it and then brewed it on batch brew a couple of times on the breville uh batch brewer so i think the interesting thing in the cupping i mean it was insanely complex like i I was blown away that that was not my expectation either um also knowing that it was probably developed a little bit more i was like man it's probably going to be on the sweeter side and maybe maybe the complexity would be slightly diminished but i also don't have a frame of reference my this coffee was the first coffee i've had from prodigal so and then later on i tried the gesha and all the and some of the other ones so i think right off the bat this coffee impressed me i was like whoa this exceeds my expectation even though like we've been like familiar with scott for a while we've spoken with him and we know that he's gonna bring something exceptional but for me this was over the top i mean i even made a bold claim in that podcast and i said this may be my favorite coffee of 2023. Oh, wow. It's early. It's early. Days. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I told, yeah, wow. I told them, I'm like, Don't you're speaking that. too soon. You're, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, I hope, yeah. I hope to taste many, many yeah. great copies this year. So, um, well, awesome. Um, I mean, where do, where do, where do we start with this? There's so much that we can, that we can cover. Um, so tell me a little bit about maybe, you're doing more like product design. Is that what you're doing right now? Like product. So I would say, you know, Sergio, myself, there's another, another guy, Charlie, we are pretty much when we decide we need, we source from everybody in the, in the company as to like, what are good ideas, right. Uh, Mm -hmm. for the next product, that sort of thing. Um, we have in the past come out with a new product one or two per year. Uh, 2022 is kind of an exception. We didn't have any new products, but 2023, we do have uh, a few lined up that we're mm-hmm. working on. Um, at least Ooh. a couple should should release and, and working on a couple others as well. And yep. so I would say I'm more embedded in the community and in, in the in the space than, say, 
uh, Sergio is. He's he's mm-hmm. an older dude. He's uh, yeah. he does pretty well with social media and 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 technology that sort of thing. But I would say he's pretty far removed from from the market. Um, so mm-hmm. that's kind of where I, I come in. I've been been roasting coffee, been uh, brewing coffee. You know, specialty coffee. Or, mm-hmm. It wasn't specialty back twenty years ago, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but I've been doing it for a while. Uh, and so I think I, I bring a lot of information also because of my uh, being in the community and talking to people and and trying to figure out what the next product should be, what people want to. So we come with him, come to him with some ideas as to what to do. He we talk about feasibility, that sort of thing. He mm-hmm. usually takes ideas from us, gets gets sort of like the main framework, then he goes away, disappears for a little while, and comes back with something and and shows nice. it to us, and then we sort of work back from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that we collectively work on product ideas together because we're a small team and we can do that. Mm-hmm. And and uh, when it comes to development and testing, you know, it goes back and forth. He'll he'll make a couple. We'll both be testing simultaneously now, Charlie as well. And so we'll be working together in lockstep on improving the product to get it to a point where we can bring it to market. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I just say I would say that I, I have a, a little bit better bead on on the market and, and yeah. what the desires are out there because I see what everybody's asking for, you know, like, yeah. oh, we just need this or we need that. And um, I don't know if you noticed, but we're mostly a mechanical, you know, uh, he's a mechanical engineer, so our products are manual, gotcha. mechanical, that, that sort of yep. thing. So you won't, you won't be seeing um, anything with heavy electronics. The 58 was definitely the first that we've done with some electronics and it's pretty minimal. It's just to, to heat the cylinder. Yep. Um, so yeah, whatever's in his wheelhouse as a mechanical engineer, uh, that, that makes sense for espresso. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully you'll see, you'll see a product like that come from us slowly mm-hmm. as we, as we, uh, yep. start to build out the line. We, we're getting to that point where I think we're pretty firmly done on espresso makers. Uh-huh. And at this point we'll start focusing on some of the other, uh, items, the, uh, accessories and things that you need to do the brewing that we've been leaning on other other companies to to produce yeah well, that that's exciting yeah I, I i i think that's super that's a very for me that's very intriguing to listen to and to kind of get an inside scoop on because um i don't know i i guess it, you don't get exposed to much of that when you're on this side of the industry mm-hmm. which is where we're focused more on brewing getting people coffee beans or um, we deal a lot with like coffee shops and people walking in as guests. So this is exciting. This is like new territory almost yeah. for me. <laughs> and this also, to me, what comes to mind is also is like, man, if you want to work in coffee, you don't always just have to be focused in on being a barista or roasting coffee. Mm-hmm. Like there are many, many fields like you're working in coffee just as much as we are, but you're in a completely different avenue. And that's... Uh, that's exciting. I have a few questions about yeah. the flare, but any thoughts, Serge? A lot, yeah, a lot of thoughts. I, I also, I'll completely agree with that. It's super exciting because I, I feel like for me at least, I am always, in a sense, stuck in this bubble of the same old, like you know, the espresso machine, the grinder, the classics that we talk about, and there's a lot of conversation around refining those things. Um, whether it's you know, changing how in grinders retain heat or espresso machines and more automation that still leaves room for the barista stuff like that but then um hearing this story and thinking about products that are 
innovative. Like I would, I literally feel, at least for me and my personal history with coffee, I feel like Flair is innovative in, in a similar way that when I, the first time I saw AeroPress, it was innovative for me. Sorry that my phone just went off. That probably got caught. Um, but anyway, um, so I feel like that, that, train of thought is exciting to me. And also hearing that people in different different industries and industries that are not necessarily just coffee, the practical classic coffee industry stuff, are joining into the industry and creating new things such as the flair and then working from that. That's yeah. that's. I, w- I would even say it's more like the kind of skill sets that you can find yeah. within coffee. Not that it's like a different industry. It's just... You're right. utilizing different skill sets and specialties and yeah. fields. And I love that. Yeah. Well, um, all right. Uh, the Flare 58, <laughs> you already hinted that, hey, it's not um, that that's probably the most tech that you guys have put in, even though it's minimal. It's kind of different from your guys's other other pieces of equipment. Give us a little sneak peek. What did that look like? Um, especially since you're, you're kind of in the market and kind of listening to what people are talking about. What sparked the idea of the Flare 58? Um, what got you thinking in that direction? And um, give us a little inside scoop as to what that looked like. Okay. Well, so and it, it kind of comes back to Sergey was talking about how, you know, as I understand it, so Sergey, you work on bar, yeah. your manager at, at a coffee shop. But Mark, are you all, besides roasting, are you, do you do other, other things in coffee as well uh no other things in coffee other than the mirror side um i do video okay. side video stuff on other nice. things yeah so i and it's fun because uh in our videos a lot of times you know people are like i'm a barista and i don't have time for that like when people see like wdt and all that like there's certainly a different style yep. of brewing or you have more time yes. and leisure when you're brewing at home versus when you're on the bar on the bar you're more focused on rep you know uh replication or uh, repeatability and mm-hmm. consistency and quality. And you, you can't experiment as much because, you know, people are coming through the door and you just got to be turning out that yep. same that same cup. And so we get to play a little bit more as a home brewer, as a home barista. We get to, you know, uh, do do our little WDT and stuff, things that don't maybe make sense. And what, you know, Sergey, I heard him say, like, we're more, fo- you guys are more focused on like the heat and how how is the shot pulling at the start of bar to the end of bar like it yeah. needs to be pulling at the same same time and everything else and what's and if it's not what's going on is that humidity is that the heat of the grinder like what's going on here um and so like us homebrewers we don't have that right because we turn the right. we turn our roast our grinder on just like once or twice a day and it cools down in between so there's there's definitely a connection there but also kind of two different worlds um mm-hmm. how that goes the pro was our first attempt at like you, you know, you saw the classic, classic didn't have a pressure gauge. It was mm-hmm. just a straight up lever, pull a shot, boom, done. And it made great espresso. But then, you know, that's where I kind of came in and started to tell Sergio, people want to like pressure profile. They want to see that gauge. They want, you know, and um, so that's, I, I would say that's the kind of development and, and market understanding that I brought to him and been like kind of whispering into his ear, we need to do this, mm-hmm. we need to do that. And we, we did that with the pro, we made basically uh, a larger larger reservoir, a uh, larger portafilter you can put more coffee in. So it gives you more flexibility mm-hmm. with your recipes. Uh, people that get the classic sometimes like, I want a double shot. You know, I want my standard two ounces yep. or 60 grams or whatever. And you can't mm-hmm. do that on the smaller. So the, the Pro is meant to like 
bring that closer to the people that were really right. into this single double. I want the yep. double. I want more coffee. Um, and then still, you know, people want a portafilter, right? So like we were, the 58 was sort of like the, as close as we could get to cafe experience, not just cafe quality, uh, cafe experience. Yes. And, you know, we get that question a lot about how long does it take to pull a shot with the 58? Uh, and mm -hmm. my response is, well, aside from pouring water in with a kettle, really not a whole lot more than it would be at a normal bar because you still, everything's the same, right? It depends on how much right. time you want to spend on the WDT and everything else and how fast your grinder, mm -hmm. like the grinders at your work are just like, boom, done. You got your dose in the mm -hmm. basket and you're moving. And some people's grinders take 15, 30, 40 seconds, whatever. But if you take that aside, the, the time difference between pulling a shot on a, on a two group or three group machine versus like the 58, it's pretty close because the whole workflow, you still got a port filter, you knock that out, it's a little bit easier to work with. So we were looking for a product that felt more familiar and comfortable for say a barista or somebody who's a professional. We wanted yep. to, to prove that we could do that as well. And so I think the 58 was, there's always this discussion about well, does it taste the same as, you know, the coffee that I'd get at a cafe? And yes and no. I mean, yes, the if you do it all right, it could. But then that bed depth, right? The pucks, like if you have a really tall right. puck versus a shallow puck, that's really where the differences come in. Um, aside from, mm -hmm. you know, if it, net net, everything else is the same. And so we wanted to get that 58 millimeter basket because that's truly the only way to fully replicate what you're going to taste in a cafe. You could do that by dosing down, say on a classic or a pro, you mm -hmm. can dose down and try to get that same uh, puck height, uh, puck depth, and that's going to allow you to grind finer. But with the classic and with a pro, you're grinding a bit coarser with those portafilters right. because that taller puck, more resistance. And it's not until you get a 58 millimeter portafilter that you can grind finer and, and still, um, you know, pull your shot in the, in the times you want. So I think that was sort of the impetus there is like, where else can we go? We've kind of taken care of it with the classic and the pro mm -hmm. as far as, you know, people at the home, home level, but we wanted to see what we could do with this. And we were seeing people use it in like some of the best restaurants in the world. In fact, one that just won, uh, the number one restaurant for 2022 uses a 58. Wow. Have, they have a few, but they use the 58 to serve espresso to their customers. We see it wow. all over Asia. They'll be using the 58 inside these like smaller cafes. They're not doing the volume mm -hmm. uh, that you probably are, yep. but they're using the 58 because it's just easier, cheaper for them to have products like that than to go get the big yeah. two, three groups, probably harder to get in um, to, the, to their countries as well. So I think that was it. It was just, uh, you know, wanting to see how close we could get to that mm -hmm. same exact uh, mouth profile and flavor profile and everything else that you get from a cafe with our product. Yeah, I, I think for me hearing you say that makes me think not only do, are y'all thinking about um, create, replicating like maybe a similar flavor experience and like more of a tasting experience with that, but you're also, for me, what I like about uh, the 58 is that it still holds the intimate um, connection to what flair brings to the surface. It's it's not going to be a cafe experience, or if it is even in the cafe, it's a whole different experience than if I would, you know, pull a shot of espresso with the linea. 
Yeah. Uh, so, and, and I like that because that's something that I enjoy about using different brew methods, whether, whether I'm at home, whether I'm in the cafe is that it just brings a different connection one with the coffee, but also if you're using that to serve a guest, it's a whole different experience. Um, I actually pl- played around with the flare 58 in the cafe. And the funny thing is I set it up next to the POS host, uh, area and was pulling shots. And well, not during oh, nice. business hours, yeah. to be honest, <laughs> but the reality is that that footprint, um, it fit right at my pour over bar and I, the whole experience, um, Mark was hanging out there and we were chatting and the POS system is there. That, that, that's what I was thinking in my mind is like, this brings an intimate connection, not only with the coffee, because it takes a little bit more intention, but also the connection with the person you would or can serve with that kind of a machine. So I, I like that. To me, that that's very important because it's that crossover, that in between the simplicity of a home barista and then also the insane intention behind pulling the shot at home to the actual flavor profile of the espresso being so similar to the cafe style. So it seems like that's great. where they're going, right? A lot of the commercial um, machines, they're, they're making it where it just kind of comes out of the bar as opposed yeah, to like the big mod box. Bar. So that, so yeah. you're not, yeah. So you're not just like trying to see the customer and look around them. So that's where things yeah. are going. Um, they're trying to do that, get, get the machine 100%. out of the way so that we're making bigger connection with our, our guests. And our customers. Yeah. I, j- I just helped design a little coffee cart. And that, that was one of the things, not only did I want it lower because it's easier for someone to brew that's, you know, at a different height, but it's also removing the barrier between the person that you're serving. And that is, you know, that's crucial to the cafe experience because in my opinion, like hospitality should always be paramount. Um, and then the quality of coffee comes into that method or into that idea of hospitality. Yeah, I think that's one a big thing balance that I... Too, though, right? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I think I think yeah, it's all right. You're good. Um I think I think one thing that I really enjoyed about, you know, the Flare 58 just using the little bit of it. Um it was like my first time using anything that's lever or semi even mechanical. But it also the feel of having like a like a 58 millimeter porta filter. Yeah. And even that like little heating element of the the goop head felt like a very intru- like it was such a unique experience where I'm like, I kind of feel like I'm, because I used to work behind bar. Like I kind of feel like this is like an espresso machine, but it's also like oddly like mechanical mm-hmm. and manual that felt actually kind of good and intriguing. Like, yep. and, and like for those, you know, for folks listening on the podcast, um, we're, we're pretty basic with gear. Like we're like, give me a, a V60 or, you know, v60 is like time and uh like time like tried by time and it's all it's all it can produce a really great cup and you don't need much more and so most of the time like our approach to gear is like unless it's really groundbreaking what the tools that we have already can go far ways but when using the flare 58 it was very uh actually inspired me a lot because i'm like this is a piece of tool that's kind of different than anything I've used before. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of intrigued to see what's capable and what's possible on this little, little, like tiny little footprint, but it also feels very, I, I can't even put yeah. words to it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I, I love that. I love that experience. So 
was somebody who posted in one of the like hombrista aficionado they're like what's the most overrated thing in coffee and i said my response was the gear because really it starts with the coffee right you have to mm -hmm. have good quality coffee and the rest of it doesn't like some of my best my best cups of coffee came from the cupping table like and yes. that's as basic as it gets to brewing right the grinder is mm -hmm. super important to get a good grind on that too but ultimately like like just an immersion brew there and you didn't need even a, a brewer so to speak you just water coffee and it's so dead simple and that's probably why like it's easy to repeat you generally don't have <laughs> mm -hmm. issues with astringency and other things that come from you know a, a clogged v60 or whatever so so really it, exactly. it starts with the coffee and and that's all you need to, to make a good cup uh, i really resonate with that because i spent a decent amount of time in indonesia and majority of the time when folks are enjoying coffee there not in cafes but maybe you know at some older folks house just sitting on the floor it's the method where i don't remember the exact name but they just put finely ground coffee in a mug pour water and let it sit it's literally cupping like except they're not slurping Cowboy with coffee. the yeah they're not slurping with like a spoon they're just sipping it until they touch the grounds and then there were some old folks like these specifically like older men who are like you know intense i don't know why but they would sip it all the way with the coffee grounds and i'm like why yeah i i did not get that maybe it makes you regular i, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> exactly i guess i mean yeah. Shoot, that's it was wild, but yeah, I, I agree. I think a lot of the times um, we overlook uh, the most important things because we're fascinated by the flashy new gear and all of that. And for me, my first experience with the flare, I believe, was with a classic. I think it was a classic back in 2020. Uh, there, you know, during the initial lockdowns of COVID. Um, Camber Coffee here in Bellingham had a latte art, at home latte art throwdown, and you had nice. you couldn't use anything like mm. uh, electronic, or you couldn't use anything powered. You had to do everything by hand. Um, mm -hmm. So I literally used I I, I thought I was going to use the mocha pot, um, didn't get any results, and I was talking to a buddy of mine. He's like, "Dude, I have a flare," and I'm like, "Yo, what's that?" So he showed it to me. I borrowed it and just used it in the competition and absolutely loved it. And I think what I really enjoy about the classic is again, it's even like simpler. Like I, I like the element of taking off the chamber and warming it on my fellow kettle. I thought that was cool. I thought that was niche. I thought that was unique. So now using the 58, I'm like, whoa, it's doing it on its own. Like that's wild. Uh, completely like, I think that little element of it completely blew me away. And of course the gauge, is super helpful it's like i would play around with just eyeballing it looking at my timer and just kind of gauge it with my arm pressure and stuff like that but i i like the simplicity it literally feels like it grounds me to what is more important and the gear is important but the coffee is so much more important i just said more important how many times <laughs> Too many. <laughs> gotta find a different word <laughs> yeah, yeah. You said the word connected a few times and, and really like, yeah, you have your hand on the mm -hmm. handle, right? Like you're connected all the way through to the, normally with other things, button. you just push it a button and then you stand back and, and let it do its thing. But this, you're fully in control yep. and you're connected. 
I went through. So it's definitely that's that's a, that's exactly the the part that intrigued me is like when I you know messed around with the fifty eight is that I'm like this feels nice that it's it's mechanic like the raw mechanics of pulling a shot of espresso was right there right in front of me yeah and it was very simple and I um I don't know I I really enjoyed that but uh um you know we've had a couple episodes where we also love home baristas home barista the aficionado espresso aficionado folks because i think they drive a lot of innovation and a lot of mm-hmm. intrigue in the industry um even though as much as we just said hey let's simplify it down um at the same time there's a lot of good in the innovation yep. and being somebody who's you know kind of in the market i love that you're i love that you're even you know having these conversations in these groups or threads and forums um what do you what are some of the observations that you're seeing um, in those groups and where do you feel like, um, coffee's growing on a, on a home level? Are there any, any, any interesting <clears throat> trends that you've noticed or what are the conversations that you're having with folks? So I would say, you know, you talked about innovation, but I would also say innovation in, in, in equipment, but also innovation in techniques mm-hmm. and more understanding of coffee. So back to the whole, like you're professional, right? You're on the bar. You don't have time to play around. You're like, I just, I just need this to be repeatable. I just need to keep the, the store open. People need to keep coming through mm-hmm. the door. And by the time you get home, you know, you're done. I, I know a lot of baristas, they don't have anything to brew with at home because why? Like you just, you go to, you go to the uh, cafe, you brew when your shift opens, you're drinking all day. Mm-hmm. Like, so you don't have that opportunity. It's the home brewers, in my opinion, that are actually leading the way in, yes. in techniques. And like most of what you see, in some of these papers starts from like a group like Espresso, uh, the EAF Discord, are you on there? I don't know. Um, but those guys are just like wicked smart engineers, yep. uh, scientists, and, and just they have time and they have passion and they're doing, they're doing really cool and crazy things and, and a lot of tests. Mm-hmm. They're spending a lot of time testing. I feel like um, you see more innovation in the brewing from those places than you do anywhere else. And the EAF, I would say, is a lot like what, not that, I don't want to upset anybody, but Home Barista, you know, home slash barista.com, which was, you know, where Jim Seven and all these people, Scott Rayo and everyone spent a lot of time Mm -hmm. on, you know, 20 years ago. I would say that 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 same sort of energy and passion and and innovation that I saw there maybe 15, 20 years ago, I'm seeing on Discord and some of these other uh, hard to find, not, you know, open to sort of the public unless you get an invite. Uh, there's some, you know, like, um, there's that hog. They, you might remember the Brista Hustle, uh, we're working on, it's called the hog. Yes. 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 Porky, Porky press. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you see that now, um, uh, Swart designs created, a, you yeah. know, his version of what he thought that they were working on. But, you know, even when he, when he put that out there, his, explanation of what it did was recently sort of debunked or or proven that maybe that's not really what's going on mm-hmm. here it's it's the way that the the coffee is sort of settling that this is doing it's not necessarily creating these channels through the better coffee it's it's allowing the coffee to sort itself in into a denser um i don't know the, the scientific term but you yes. know in a composition so that it's actually able to get a, a more even but that doesn't seem to come from and if it does, you know, there's obviously big companies with big R&D budgets and they are doing cool things. But 
that's going into their product and their machines. And, and for the guys that are like trying to brew on bar or at home, a lot of that's coming from within the community, I think, yep. these days. Uh, because these people are just, they've got time, they're passionate, they're, they're, they're smart, and they, they really want to do it for the sake of improving that cup, you know, as opposed to like dollar right. signs. Um, there's a lot of things that I've seen that, that are in development that never really make it out. And, and also like that maker community, the, the, a lot of guys just, they design something cool and they're like, here it is, go ahead, print mm -hmm. it. You know, I don't want it. I'm not trying to make money from this. I just want everybody. A good example is the, the, the people's WDT tool, you know, you seen that from John Kim? No, I don't think I have. Um, it's that, well, you have, you have, uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. This guy right here. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I have. So, I mean, basically it's just someone who it's, it's like a perfect, it's a perfect tool, simple. He designed it, you know, it wasn't truly his, yep. his creation. He, he saw what was right. out there and, and he designed something uh, similar that was easy to, to print and everybody could go do it with some needles. And, and he just wanted it out there for everyone to make better coffee and, and he didn't want to sell it. You know, he's just like, oh, it's over here. And if you are going to try to use my design, you can't sell it for more than $10 because he doesn't want anyone to get ripped off. He just wants people to make better, better coffee, better espresso. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing you see in these communities and groups is people just want to make better coffee and want other people to make better coffee. Super supportive, super helpful. Um, yeah. So as far as like what I see and in, in the kind of, it's more me lurking. I don't have as much time as I'd like mm -hmm. to be part of the conversation these days. Yep. Um, I'm supposed to, you know, this is my studio. I'm supposed to be making videos in here, but like, I just, I just have a hard time finding time yep. to do what I'm, what I want to do. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say I'm, I'm more just lurking and listening and, and chiming in and helping in the community. And there's other people that are really like pushing, pushing coffee yep. uh, further. And you don't even know their names. You just know their handles, you know? Yes. You don't 100%. even like know who they really are in real life, which is cool because that just shows like they're not looking yeah. for fame or attention or notoriety. They just, yeah. Yeah. Dang. That's, <clears throat> I'm probably going to be re-listening to that, to everything you just said when I'm going to be editing the podcast. <laughs> I think um, those are insights. Well, first off, I totally understand by you saying you don't have enough time. <laughs> like, that's that's the struggle for us I as imagine. well i'm yeah. like oh man i almost have two full-time jobs and i'm trying to spend a little time on discord and trying to keep my ears open on these random forums you know but uh but i man what everything that you said was just so exciting to me because it's stuff that i i give me a fresh perspective on all these home baristas and that whole kind of subculture or that niche culture of people and I think that's so fascinating that they're just, honestly, they're just like coming up with these fun, interesting gadgets and just giving them away mm -hmm. and for the sake of just innovation um, and just building that kind of that community, the culture. And I, I, I th that's just fascinating to me. And it also gives me like, um, it gives me hard like startup vibes. Yeah. Like it's like the, all the, all the like, I don't know that though that groundwork the trench work of do making a startup that's what that felt like um of just like man you're just in here just trying to you know communicate with other people and learn from other people but also offer what you have to offer um i think that's fascinating yeah so it, it also reminded me of there was this one time i uh um i was talking to jonathan gagney before 
he wrote the book before he was big. Um, he was still pretty popular, but it was in that start in that who Jonathan, Jonathan who? Gagne. Um, the oh oh you got me oh yeah exactly right. <laughs> um, so I, I, I was chatting with him. Now I'm gonna laugh at myself. Uh, and I I remember asking him. I don't know what it was regarding what element that he was uh, discovering. I just gotta tell you the chat GPT doesn't know who he, Jonathan is. Really? So that's oh that's was, that's devastating. No. It will soon. Chat GPT four that, will. Thing. Yeah. But I I asked him, I was like, hey, do you, how would I replicate this on bar? <laughs> and he just laughed. <laughs> he was like, you don't. And I was like, oh, that's excellent. That's actually, that makes so much sense. Take the pressure off of yeah, it. Yeah, and I was like, good. I'm not going to try to replicate this puck prep on bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it, I, I think that's excellent. And to see people like Jonathan and others who are so passionate about uh, coffee and are innovating the brewing side. But also out of that is, um, out of those ideas, gear gets uh, birthed and Mm -hmm. like the uh, trickle and other um, brewing devices that get birthed out of the new ideas that are coming out of these niche groups of folks. I I think this is also kind of bringing this whole conversation almost full circle because um, I think what I'm, what I'm inspired by is like what you, talked about in the beginning about you know the founder being this like mechanical engineer um who started off and i love that and i think that's we need more of that in the coffee industry i think of like people that have expertise and skills in other areas Mm -hmm. that where they can come into these to these communities and to this like coffee culture and offer what they have that is kind of unheard of before like the the fact that jonathan is this like astrophysicist the the fact that we're seeing more chemists and biologists and scientists join the conversation is extremely um i think beneficial and stuff like you know the flare comes out of you know these mechanical engineers who are just like you know whether they're trying to either solve an issue or create something that's not been around before um i think it's phenomenal so I think to to take that another step further, you know, Arobi, Arobi, Arobi. I don't even know how to say the name, but you know, the the makers of, um, of the, AeroPress. Mm-hmm. Right. It was you know they came from a completely different space, and same thing with Flair. Flair, uh, Sergio Landau was like biomedical uh, engineering, oh, wow. completely. And yep. so two guys that just wanted to, they're like, well, it shouldn't be that hard, yep. you know, like. They, they understand the, the mechanics and the physics of things. And so it's like, we should be able to make it cheap and affordable. I think they both had that same, they just like, you know, the one wanted to make the best coffee you can make for the least mm-hmm. price. You know, the, it's like what, 50 bucks or yeah. I don't know what for an AirPress. And then, you know, Sergio did the same sort of thing for espresso. What's the cheapest we can make a good cup of espresso. And they also didn't have any background or preconceived notions of what it should look yeah. like or what it needed to be. It was just kind of like, we just want to get to the end cup, mm-hmm. right? And so that's the other cool thing about having these people that are, uh, that just want, uh, also the guy that made nine baristas, same thing, you know, didn't come from coffee. Mm-hmm. He's a aerospace engineer or something like that, making jet rockets yeah. or I don't know what, but you know, these guys that just, they're super talented, they know what they're doing and they just wanted to, to, yeah, make something that, that yielded yeah. a good cup and they weren't really held back by what it needed to look like or what it should be or any of that. They just got to the end yeah. product. Pretty cool. 
Yeah, I, I think for me, who is completely submerged in the coffee world, my my friend uh, Lee, she always inspires me by saying, "What are you?" or asking me the question, like, "What are you learning outside of the industry?" And I think that's super important, like to look outside and uh, of what you're familiar with, and to be inspired by. I mean, whether that's like in the like video and cinema world that you're experiencing, or you know, our dad is like super into um, like fixing and repairing cars and stuff like that. So learning from those kind of things and understanding like different elements that we can impart into what we do regularly, like for me, coffee. Yeah. yeah. Like realistically, I can't wait to be editing this because I technically listen to this podcast over multiple times as I'm editing through it. And so this will be fun to, Another yeah, <laughs> yeah, this will be fun to, uh, to, to re-listen to, but, uh, well, um, as we, as we wrap up, um, I want to talk about roasting a little bit. And then I also want to give me a sneak peek. I know you can't share maybe everything, but what's what's what gets you excited about Flair in this upcoming year? You said you guys are working on some fun little maybe accessories or other, other things. You don't have to say them, but um, maybe share a little bit about what's uh, what you're looking forward to. All right. Well, I, I think I already took you off a little bit. We're... Hopefully, there'll be a day where you'll just be able to make espresso with all Flare products, and you won't need anything else from anyone else. Got so it. If you think about what it, what it takes to make espresso, what you're using with your 58 or what you used with mm -hmm. Classic, you know, that's kind of the goal is to have those. So we're working on some of the accessories, some of the things uh, that you would need to do mm -hmm. that. Also, uh, one thing that we have been working on for many years, and I've said it so many times that it's, I can say it again here, uh, we are working on a steamer, mm -hmm. okay. and hopefully we'll finally have that um, by the end of the year, something, or at least close to, to having that. Um, it's just something that we've, we kept saying we're going to do, we're going to do, we're going to do, and, and it kept getting pushed mm -hmm. back by other projects, but now that we have our espresso makers, like I said, pretty much locked, and we're happy with what we have, we have a you know full lineup, mm -hmm. uh, four or five models at this point, so we're gonna now focus on on those other products that you can use making making espresso, making lattes, mm -hmm. uh, that sort of thing. So that's pretty much what we're working on now. Not obviously all of that in yeah. one year, um, but but kind of working on things of that nature. Uh, so that's you know, and when you say what gets me like up in the morning or what gets me excited, it's being able to do that. Like I've often thought about working for you know what it would be like to work for another company, and a lot of them are so structured that like you just you're got to stay in your lane. Like, yes. this is what you do. Just mm -hmm. do that. And don't, you know, we don't need your input on these other things. So it's nice to work in a small company where, you know, you have the boss's ear, you, you can like say, give an idea or suggestion and, and it can be developed into a product. Like that's what's probably the coolest thing about working with startups and small companies um, is not, not having that top down structure where you just, you don't have an input. You don't have a say. We still have our you know, our team meetings get bigger and bigger, but like every other Wednesday or so, we have, we have, we all sit down, you know, do a Zoom call and everybody gets a mm -hmm. chance to communicate, you know, with the general manager who is, who's the president and he gets to ask us what's on our mind or what new things are going on. And likewise, you know, so that's, that's probably the coolest thing about working for a company like Flair that's still small enough to have that. It, it comes a point like fellow, right? right? Like you just, you get big enough, you just can't. You can't, um, I, at least I don't think they do. Like, it seems like they have three or four people in every department, right. you know, like whether it's marketing or e-com or whatever. Um, I just feel like we, you know, having just one person that does 
one job allows us to sort of all work together as a as a team collectively. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, I was going to say, as far as like the roasting side, I wanted to ask you some questions. So before you before we yeah. cut off, make sure we save some yeah. time for that because uh, I want to pick your brain. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's great. I think there's a <clears throat> that spurs a lot of conversation because um, I think that's the that's the challenge that I've been thinking about is like you know, at some point, if you're doing something right, you're going to be growing. Um, but then how do you maintain a lot of that, the intimacy or the, that same energy or that same tight knit team as you grow, like the thing that made you grow, how do you maintain that, whether it's product wise, but also team wise. And that's, I think that mm -hmm. gets really challenging, but, uh, I'm enjoying, uh, uh, um, I, I'm enjoying the fact that it's just me and Sergey right now. Uh, yeah. I'm cherishing these days, even though they're really challenging and the amount of stuff that we have to deal with is like a lot for, you know, just two people. Yeah. But I'm, I'm definitely <clears throat> valuing these moments because chances are probably not going to be this way, you know, for forever, that is. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy the, small, the small team vibes <laughs> while Flair yeah. has them. <laughs> I hear, while we're talking about you guys, I was asking Tanner if he uh, had any questions or anything he wanted me to ask you, and he did. He's, he said you guys were the first ones, I guess, that you know, you could say that believed in him and sent him a bag of coffee. Yeah. You know, he said the first uh, roaster that sent him one of those, he, which was, you know, he's super yeah. honored. Um, but he was, he and I are both, you know, saying and, and discussing, like, you guys have such a like a, a devotion to like excellence and making everything like from your podcasts, you've been, been hammering those. Like, I don't know anyone else that's put in the time you guys put in to, and you, you make the video and then you also do the audio version of it, but your videos are like just beautiful, like really good. Obviously Mark enjoys it the way I enjoy yeah. like setting mm -hmm. up the stage and, and getting all that in. But yeah, like you guys do just quality work and everything you do. And the other cool thing is like super humble. Like we, Tanner's question was like, we don't, I, I don't see them, you know, pitch or selling. It's like, how, how does that all fit in? And how are they able to have all the time that they do to put in to the production and the coffee roasting and everything else and support the business? It just seems like you guys are working tirelessly, you know, for years and, and super committed, but, um, yeah, we're just both in awe of, of, of the time that you guys put into this and, your your podcast to me anyways my my comment was it it seems like almost like therapy sessions like you guys get a yes. chance to sort of like break down deconstruct the last week and or the challenges you just went through and it's awesome to have you guys share with us like what you're going yep. through because as i told you privately like i'm looking at super small scale like roasting for my community roasting for my mm -hmm. neighborhood you know stocking shelves at my local uh, grocery store and so i'm looking into what like what does that take uh, and so I started watching some of your videos again and, and cause I remember your, your, uh, three mistakes mm -hmm. that, that, uh, we wish it, we wish we knew or not three mistakes, but three things we wish you knew before we started a business. So like, I better watch that again, you know, <laughs> make sure I, and, uh, and yeah, it's like, you guys are super honest and, and share with that, but it's also good. I imagine for the two of you guys, because you're yep. brothers, because you know, you're doing this, like it gets, it, it's good to sort of decompress, break it down, mm -hmm. you know, sort of bounce off sort of just open up to yourself and maybe say it aloud mm -hmm. can help as well um but yeah it's been great sort of like just watching you guys 
grow and grow the business and make decisions and and reflect on on the good ones and the bad ones and uh, make goals for yourself and then you know come out and try to make them so that's been it's been fun to watch you guys are doing a great job well wow that well, means a lot yeah, yeah. yeah that, that that means a lot speaking of therapy sessions <laughs> i know this this one that was it right there <laughs> yeah that that just spoke to our hearts yeah that meant a lot and yeah. you know the 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 really refreshing thing though also is um that's that's the heart behind it like mm-hmm. everything what you're saying and i'm glad that's being communicated in a way where you're you're picking up on that and so my fear is always like man what if people are not getting you know the this heart behind that we have for for doing these things um what if this is just being lost so when you're saying that um that's like oh okay so that is getting across mm-hmm. um and yeah at 100 you 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 summarized our our podcast very yeah. very well and kind of i mean everything we do really so yeah um, I, I think one of my fears with the podcast is like sometimes i after an episode i'm like what did i even say like <laughs> why can't I be more professional? Like, you know what I mean? And because we do carry that vibe, it's just Mark and I most of the time, unless we have a guest and it is special, but sometimes it's scary because the vulnerability, sometimes I feel like I, when I, when I deliver that on a public platform, you do think about it. Uh, what will it look like a few years down the road? Like I hate scrolling down my Instagram feed, but I know I need to, cause I need to get a reality check of where I came from. But there is that like scary element of vulnerability of being kind of, I don't even know how to put what we do into words because we're just being ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, but we're also, our listener uh, listenership is growing. So I sometimes forget like, oh wait, I'm not just recording this for Mark and I, people are actually like paying attention. So there's that tension of like, being a little scared, but also knowing like, this is just who I am. Yeah. So the question I have for you guys about roasting, since I'm just kind of getting into this and I want to, again, I'm just roasting for my neighborhood, stocking shelves locally. So I'm not, you know, I'm just, I got my bags. I got to figure out, like, I got a name. I got to, you know, figure out a label, but I'm, I'm not going to try to roast outside. So I don't know if this is something that um, other states have as well, but we have like a, a cottage, ah, what is it? The cottage something law, but basically it allows me to just roast for my neighborhood and not actually have to do it in a commissary or anything I could do it in my kitchen. Um, and so that's all I'm looking to do here and trying to figure out, trying to design a roast that is going to hit everybody in a positive way. Like obviously <laughs> when I made the, when I first tested some, some profiles, uh, my wife who, uh, she went from a place of like, you know, enjoying Starbucks to now enjoying like specialty and a, a little bit of acidity. She's like, this just tastes roasty. I don't like it. And I'm like, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about, you know, the people here. And I don't think a lot of the people in my community that I'm roasting for want that acidity. They want it to, to be more of what they're comfortable with, which is somewhere between like Starbucks and diner. And, and maybe they probably go to, I don't know, like a local coffee shop, but it's, generally not, they're probably not getting specialty out there. And so that would probably taste like a defect to them, right? To have the acidity, they probably call that sourness or something. Um, yeah. So just like, how do you figure out what, and you talked about that earlier about you have a certain, you know, a couple numbers on the actron scale or, or whatever that you're 
all your coffee comes out to somewhere in between there. And trying to figure that out, like how to how to roast for the the most <laughs> for the most uh, enjoyment for everybody else, not yourself. Because you, I don't know, maybe you are roasting for yourself. Maybe what what you're roasting for everybody else is what you would roast for yourself. Is that is that the case? Because I don't think I have that luxury here. And yeah, trying to figure it out. <clears throat> that is a really challenging yeah. conversation to have, and it's something that we're we're actually always talking about. Um, and the challenge here is that um, that I think what will help is thinking about not thinking about how do I find a roast that everybody likes, because that's almost non-existent. Because um, interesting conversation, like we're I was uh, over the holidays, we we're hanging out with some family. I brewed them some coffee, and um, like an older lady uh tried tried my coffee and she's like oh, talk about is... your mom no 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 i'm you not should burn for burn for the family and the older lady <laughs> no. my my mom actually loves our coffee she yeah. she's a fan she she also went from starbucks to yeah. this she's like i'm not going back but anyways uh she she tried the coffee and she's like oh man this is so um this is so bitter and i'm like okay and then there's uh you know another gentleman tries the coffee the same exact coffee and is like oh why is this so sour and to me i was like nice now now how do i how do i fix that <laughs> when those are opposite sides of the spectrum yeah and so you don't know who knows who actually identified it correctly and who didn't you know exactly and they're there and you know to a certain extent if you really want to go far they were both correct it's just their perception and their background of flavor experiences um, resulted in a certain comment. Yep. And that's that's mm -hmm. why I'm saying like w thinking I think less in terms of like how do I please everybody with one single roast? I think the smart thing would do is <clears throat> how do I um, how do I have one or two coffees that I roast that maybe um, that really ap appeal to different different people in your neighborhood whether that's you know the person who's working remotely or is it a little more coffee fanatic enthusiast that can enjoy something lighter and then doing something a little you know darker more developed that's going to appeal to to them a little more i don't know that that that's my take on it yeah. um i think the the concept in those places i think that um we don't really do this for for us but the concept of having like a filter roast and an espresso roast yeah i think allows you to please more more people so that you can direct them towards each coffee thoughts yeah. Serge? Mm. oh a lot of thoughts because that's that's a big question when it comes to preference you're gonna meet one so many different people even within a small town like that was at a at a table you know so it's yeah. at some point you're gonna have to m make a call and that call is also going to be heavily preference based to what you like whether that's even like a ultra nordic roast or like borderline second crack dark roast like you're gonna have to make a call whether why you're willing or not willing to roast something like that and then even before that the coffees that you source are also going to dictate that because i mean i want to say like there's some coffees that we are sourcing that are on the expensive side when it comes to green cost like it wouldn't be wise to roast that coffee ultra light, medium, and then second crack dark. It wouldn't make sense. So we do source a diversity of coffees for the different demographic, but we also have a certain 
kind of, I guess, personal value in place where we're like, you know what, if we wouldn't drink this coffee, we probably don't want to serve it, but we also want to make sure that we do meet uh, people where they're at. So it is a, it's a tough tension. Um, like there, there are some people who always ask us for a dark roast and we have to navigate that conversation. Like, I guess uh, on like person to person basis and be like, okay, why would we say yes? And why would we say no? And like, what are we trying to do that? And then is there a way that we can take someone to experience the full um, dynamic experience of coffee from like light to dark or from dark to light? Um, what can we do to that with that? So, yeah, I think, um, I, I, th I think it really comes down to knowing your demographic and then being staying true to the conviction of what do you want to do and how do you want to approach um, people who are drinking different row styles. Great. So it's that. a yeah. super personal, personal question. And I think there's no right or wrong answer on this one. It's like, I, I understand. I think in our circles, we always talk about light roast or maybe these complex coffees um, but, it, but if someone is just looking to like, you know, brew a mocha pot, like why, why wouldn't you offer a much more developed coffee for them or something of sorts that just hits the spot? Yeah. That's kind of yeah. where I'm leaning towards at the moment. For mm -hmm. sure. I'm also yeah. only going to just do one coffee right now because I don't know how well they're going to sell. Um, yeah. And, and because I'm going to ask more money because it's good coffee, I'm buying it from yeah. from Sky. Right. <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, yeah. I don't want to have I don't want to have uh, too many offerings out there. Uh, so I think I'm probably going to go more developed for now and just kind of yeah. see how that plays out. And if it starts selling, then maybe have another offering and, yeah. and bring it back a little bit. I, th I think that's actually a very interesting <laughs> point that you're making that we don't talk about, but we've thought about uh, back when we started about having too many coffees on the menu yeah. i think for young roasters sometimes it's easy to go with thinking man i'm starting this roasting company i want to have all you know i want to have an ethiopian a kenyan a, a guatemalan a colombian Ooh, a per peru's also tasting good this year or you know mm -hmm. like and i'm like start very slim like we launched our first four months i think when we launched we had one coffee on the menu yeah and it was a it was uh, a Colombian, and then I believe at some point we had a, a Colombian and a Guatemalan. Yeah. But that I think that is already such a. I think it's in my opinion it's a smarter approach, and it actually helps you handle stuff like demand uh, so much better and feasible, especially if you're starting like a roasting company. Um, that that's in my opinion. Of course, depending on how much how much capital you have, right. um, but if you're really starting off small, I think don't worry about having hundreds or, you know, yeah. all the, all every origin possible <clears throat> on your menu. Yeah. Um, I remember you and I having that conversation yeah. uh, in the very beginning when we're like, just thinking about buying green. Uh, I think you just had a wild experience with the Ethiopian coffee um, back in like early 2019, right when I moved mm -hmm. that Masha coffee Yeah, and we we're on that hype of like, man, we're going to start out with a bang, maybe like an Ethiopian. Yeah. But we realized like, no, like that's not, that's not where we're at. We need to find a coffee that would now we're creating labels for that language and like timeless and modern and eternal. 
But I think what we did is we started with a coffee that to us spoke timeless. Like this coffee would please us and make us happy. Um, but it would also like probably please my mom and probably please our neighbor because we, at that point, we ha didn't have our demographic dialed because we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do. So yeah. without, with having like very small amount of coffees on our menu or even just one, it gave us the opportunity to experiment, to trial and error, not with our like sales and not to put our, you know, living on, on basically, um, at risk we were just experimenting with our flavor palettes and figuring out what we liked in a roast style and a coffee preference and yeah what are you what are you roasting on yeah uh so i've got the bullet that's what i'm going to be doing these nice. these on i have a few different roasters um but yeah for this it'd be two bags at a time two 12 ounce bags at a time on a bullet nice. uh and so for the foreseeable future, I would. I think I, I prefer air roasting over over this conduction drum, but it is what I got, and I will I'll keep using it for now. And if I decide to expand and, and things are going well, and and I can go a bit, I'll probably move to some some sort of an air roaster. Yeah, excellent. That makes great. sense. You guys yeah. went straight up and, and picked up like is that a, a Dietrich or what do you have? Yep. yep, it's a it's a Dietrich. Yeah. Did you just go right out and buy a Dietrich, or did you start like? more modest like me with a with something no, we, smaller and we just kind of went for it um <laughs> and, and who sold the who had to sell their car to get that <laughs> well, literally well actually that's you're yes, not far you're off you're not far yeah i uh i was saving up for a new car and it was like i uh, car yeah. roaster car and then roaster. I was, yeah exactly <laughs> Search and like, then roaster roaster <laughs> And four months later, it was a roaster. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I emptied my my savings and maxed out my credit cards to to get the bare minimum in. And I mean, the bare minimum was an IR twelve yeah. kilo, you know, wow. Dietrich. So, yeah. um, and the concept there was like, we you know we don't want to be buying another roaster in a year or two years because we've maxed out capacity. We want something that's going to scale with us, that's going to grow with us. It's going to create a long-term kind of plan um, that can can scale with us and be yeah. good for the long run. I mean, so. w with all of that said, I, I was also in a weird spot. I just moved back to Bellingham, and um, my wife and I got married, and a month later, we moved to Bellingham or moved back to Bellingham. So I had nothing. Like, we literally sold everything. So I really had nothing to offer. So... Mark's car fund was literally like, well, if you do that, we have a roasting company. Like, I'll roll with that kind of thing. You know what I mean? So that's, that's uh, commitment. I mean, yeah, you've got the. You can't just let it sit there. You got to get to it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I think the other thing is we were both semi-familiar with the Diedrich. Uh, Mark specifically roasted on one at the previous cafe that he worked at, and then when I moved, I was sitting in on the roast. So we both understood kind of the basic function of a Diedrich. So it was, and I think we had one experience, we've shared this experience on the podcast, is when it broke, uh, we had no idea what to do. There was, or Mark, just share the story, because I think the story is very important to deciding what roast you're going to buy. Yeah, uh, I'll keep it short, because we need to wrap this thing up. But uh, yeah, so we, uh, the Diedrich um, had some fan issues, and um, my dad, he's, like he's like a handyman can Mechanic. literally do anything mm -hmm. yeah um 
I was like, can you take a look at this? What went to the roastery, took a look, literally took him like two, three minutes. And he's like, yep, this is, this is pretty simple. It, you know, the parts are just there. You just need to swap this out, swap this out, put it in very easy to install and it's going to work just fine. And that was like incredible. Like for somebody who has never seen a, my dad has never seen a roaster, but when he can come in and with his prior knowledge, um, just find the solution was like, okay, that's, that's something that as a roaster, you need to keep in mind when stuff goes wrong and you have, you know, uh, orders stacked up wholesale accounts, depending on you. Let's hope you can get up and running or have a backup solution. And to know that I can just, if something goes wrong, there's a good chance I, I might be able to fix it. Maybe not everything mm-hmm. that, that speaks a lot. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's a good point. Also access probably to replacement parts and maybe some of the roasters, the more exotic ones are from a different country might be a little bit harder to get in. So like it could Mm -hmm. set you back a few weeks, maybe a month, depending on, you know, we just saw the supply chain crumble, (laughs) uh, you know, a couple of years ago. So like, yeah, it's all good things to know is like, if this broke, could I fix it? If it broke, would I be able to get parts, you know? And yeah, that's, that's a huge underrated thing to think about, but Sweet. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for jumping on the Coffee Roaster Warm-Up Sessions podcast. It was such a good time to uh, chat with you. Do you have any last final parting words with our guests, our oh, listeners? Parting words. I, I don't, um, other than if you're serious about, about yeah, community and, and learning more about coffee and, and you want a place that has very little ego and, and all passion that I think you guys are there too, the Discord espresso aficionado on uh one of us i don't i'm not quite sure how you find it if you just google it i think you need to get an invite right for these kind of things so you have to like ask for an invite on reddit or someplace like that but uh i'd love to see more people in the community and being part of that and sharing their their experiences and also sharing their wisdom you know it's always hard as you're just kind of coming into it like knowing you know how much coffee to use and what course setting and all this and so it's good to have a place like that where people are super helpful um and and just willing to bring people up and and give you know improve their their coffee making so it's a fun community to be on so yeah. i guess that's it probably send more people to the to coffee groups and communities so we can uh, yeah. improve coffee together yep apart from that what are what's the best way to stay in contact uh well so flareespresso.com is the website for for flare espresso and then our instagram is flare espresso maker um and if you, we also have a YouTube channel, Flare Espresso, and Facebook, Flare Espresso, and a TikTok, Flare Espresso. Um, Let's go. And so myself and Tanner Colson, if you yeah. if you send us a DM, drop us in. It's one of us answering. So if you wanna, if you have questions, or you wanna learn more, uh, best best way to do it is hit us up in the DMs and follow those channels. Cool. Incredible. Incredible. Well, uh, thank you once again for oh, thank you having this fun. conversation. Yeah, it was definitely fun, uh, but. Friends, thank you so much if you're listening this far into the podcast. Uh, really appreciate it. Hopefully, you walked away with some value. I know I did. You can share this with a uh, home barista um, right. fanatic. Send this to them. Tell them they have to listen to this. Yep. So, um, But that being said, folks, thank you so much for joining us once again on an episode of the Coffee Roast Warm Sessions podcast. And I always remember, reflect what's good. <laughs>